ahead and do the teaser. All right, so everybody, we had a great table walk-in that uh, Hammerhead brought up, and table 107 regarding uh, uh, restaurant trends. Uh, he was talking about, you know, comfort foods and lasagnas and, and um, you know, mom's lasagna recipe and great grandma's recipe and a lot and a lot of home cooked meals. But where is, you know, the restaurant industry going as far as trends when it can be very opinion uh, driven uh, of what these trends might be? It may not be comfort food. Some people may be craving something totally new. And then they could also vary by state, city, county and neighborhood. So with all that said, let's um, let's go and do a deep dive in this as we're going to do a little shift change here. And let's go right to Chef Bo and let him kick it off. Uh, Chef, what are your thoughts on restaurant trends? Got it on tape. You're good.
Okay. All right. I, yeah, it's, it's quite it's quite a bit and it's a, go ahead Tim Hammer, go ahead. I you know, I'm kind of I think all those were very good points. I, I really do and I think you brought up the fact that people may have been doing this at home too, right? During the pandemic. So I'm feeling a little bit of the opposite. <clears throat> and I'll tell you why. I do think the comfort food would, would get people out and they can, they can feel uh, sociable again, remind them of the days of, of being together as a family in a group. Uh, the, the, Hey, we finally get to see you. And it's a party of six, right? The three neighbors with the parents going out, uh, that kind of a, that kind of a vibe along the, the fire pit at their favorite place or whatever, whatever it may be. And a, a couple cocktails, uh, and it's a great night catching up with everybody. And I think we'd be willing to do that for the next six to seven months. Right. But when we do when we build restaurants, we don't look at the six to seven months. We look at the next five years, right? Because you're putting in that investment. You like to see the return on your investment within the three. And then two, you've built your base. And now you can take some risk in some different areas, knowing that your base is set and you got revenue coming in, right? So with that said, I think part of the menu is going to be some of those things that people did not want to do at home or did not have the skill set to do at home. Uh, and if you have something that's interesting, um, they, they will come out and see that, right. They'll come out and go, okay, oh, wow. All right. This is new. This is what came out of the pandemic. So you, your point there, as far as what this is creating cre creative wise from culinary, um, professionals. Yeah. They're gonna have to challenge themselves a little bit. 
you know, getting them out and offering something on that menu has got some comfort food. But I think when they're looking at that, they're also going to want to see, well, well, what else was out there? What else came of, of this? Is there a new way of using a different part of the animal, similar to what you did about the carpaccio and a different cut of meat? Uh, let's, you know, what, what if they're using something different now? Because we also have to deal with the fact of the labor for the restaurant owner. You can't build something that's going to take a lot of prep time, right? That's just going to kill them hourly. The, um, the, the restaurant industry, as far as labor of qualified people, how much time can you invest in teaching some of these people to consistently put this menu together? Because we all know the lack of consistency is where people get turned off. If they have a great meal and they give you another shot and it's something totally different or not what it was, they may give you one more because they figured you had a bad day and that comes out different. How many times are you going to keep coming back? So you can't risk that either if we're looking on just the restaurant owner side. So I guess I probably, I probably should split the two of saying, am I looking at this from a consumer standpoint or a restaurant owner standpoint? So let's look at it as far as a restaurant owner standpoint, since I've already brought up a couple of points of why it's important to them that they've got to look at these other areas and what the trends are going to be. Um, I don't think they can also observe, absorb a large menu hike with minimum, la- wa- uh, minimum wage going up, which I think at this time it got killed as far as being a part of the stimulus package, but it's still on the table, right? So we still have to consider what's going to go on there and where can technology come in? So we've had some inquiries here or some articles that I've read about how much can be automated in the back, right? How much can be automated on the line? Is that investment working on, um, worth bringing in? So I don't have to pay this guy, you know, $23 an hour and hope he shows up after the fourth shift right? And then have to train somebody else. So there's all those kinds of things too. How much inventory do I want to bring in to create this menu? Uh, That's another one, right? As we're sitting here fighting for market share uh, to get these people that are finally coming out again, first seven months, it's going to be boom, we're looking good. But then who can work that finance piece of saying, okay, we're doing great here. Uh, How are we going to pivot this? We want to go ahead and buy another small unit and do something totally different. So it's a second revenue stream of something that those that people would, did not want to do at home because then after the comfort phase is over, yeah, I want I want to try something something totally unique. What what came out of this kind of a thing? So that's what I kind of think as far as a restaurant owner, where that trends are going to be. You're going to still to be on. You're still going to have to be on your toes to make a a move and be at least three to three to six months ahead of what you see was coming up. And and that's another reason why I think this is a good topic where we want to set a, uh, enough time for this. Because it's kind of hard to see those trends when you're in it, and you kind of need to see what's happening to it and then make a move, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, where there's an opportunity for the the culinary industry and the restaurant industry to pivot and go in a whole other direction is exactly what you're talking about, is that there is that opportunity. Who is going to, you know, get that brass ring and be creative? Who's going to have the guts to do it? Because pre-pandemic, Hey, let's open another Mexican restaurant when you can swing a dead cat and hit ten in the same city block. And some jabroni comes in. He's like, "I'm oh, what kind of food are you gonna serve? Oh, Peruvian. Oh, you mean mm-hmm. Mexican?" <laughs> well, but I'm actually gonna use a dead cat. Right. And to keep my cost down, it's gonna be domestic and a couple of uh, a couple right. wild cats. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to have 
up to your point, man, I guess what happens is that that practice phase is unfinished and experimental. And I think that, but I, I still believe the flavor profile of those items when you live in that comfort food flavor profile, mm-hmm. I think for a little longer than between seven, eight months, I think it might go a year. You know, based on everything we're hearing, okay. you know, as of today, you know, it's going to be 2022 before we're running free and clear everywhere. Like that, like 2019, those freaking rebels. Okay. Right? Well, I think we're on the same page then. Because if you run seven months, but yet you got to plan out uh, five to six months when you're doing a new uh, concept, we're, we're at 13 months. Well, so what do you mean? Pop up right now or pop up when we're back to 100% um, dying in? Yeah, now. Yeah. You still you still see that happening once 100% dying in yeah. is open? Well, if for when then why do you feel that way? I think we're all on the same page with that because Bo mentioned the service has got to be there, and that's what you're alluding to with that statement, right? Yeah, I agree with that. So did that go? And I and this may have been my fault when I screwed up the uh, recording. Bo, were you mentioning about places with maybe the six top, the eight top, the ten top in the building in the restaurant and doing more of a home style? No, I thought I heard that from one of you. Um, we, we've touched on um, this single's been kind of a, a regular as far as like where the trends are. I mean, in different aspects. So maybe in a prior podcast, you guys go back and listen to the other podcast as well. Yeah, I, mean, I, I actually I actually don't see that being a, a bad idea for the next seven months. If you see that the, the argument that you just laid out there, the chef, uh, the home style and all that and people going out to have a cool seven, I mean, eight top round, uh, but that the service was was on point. It was great. The menu was a, a share menu or f- like family style menus using different things. You know, in the giant lazy Susan where you just pop it out there and they can spin it around and, and do whatever they want to do with the giant pitcher of margaritas or sangria or whatever. And they're all just sitting there breaking bread, right? You bring out the big four-foot, you know, French roll or something. They can all tear it apart and hand it to each other, all vaccinated up because they feel like Superman, <laughs> Superman now. Uh, <laughs> I can do it all. I got my two shots. I can... I can uh, lick your ear and everything else and be fine. You know? 
<laughs> right. I ain't getting nothing. <laughs> nothing. So uh I don't know, Tim, did you want to wrap up that segment? Because I, I do think I think technology is gonna be a big piece in there too. Not Well, well, we did because uh, go ahead, Bo. Okay. All right, you're upselling them. All right, bring it. We're going. We're going for the cognac. We're going for the after dinner drink. Ed Port, we're gonna get some port. <laughs> All right, Tim, you're gonna have the Sambuca, right? That that's gonna be you. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, that's, that's interesting because then they'll then they'll get that punch in the face and quit. <laughs> Man, I can't go at my same pace that I was at home. So let me ask you this, Chef: If you were making the comfort foods at home, would you then want to go out and try somebody else's comfort food that reminds you of home? 
Okay. Okay. All right. That's a good point. Tim, you got some thoughts? Because I wanted to bring up when you mentioned trends, the, the, the one trend that's been happening now. So go ahead. No, I'm good. <clears throat> so with all that said, is that something, man, we, you know, we brought up seven months, right? And maybe a year at the most. Uh, well, maybe not even at the most. I threw that in there. That's not true. So 12 months, okay? If you think about what we've been doing for the restaurant operators, the ghost kitchens, the virtual brands, how do you feel about that, those trends moving forward? Especially after you see articles like Bloomin' Brands just added uh, Tender Shack delivery to 750 locations nationwide for Outback. Uh, the the CEO expects it to reach 75 million in annual in incremental sales. Do you think that's going to stick? The Tender Shack is going to be a, is a ghost kitchen with Bloomin' Brands. They're they're a partnership of uh, I mean they own the Outback concepts. Okay. Like no dining They're going to have a couple locations and they're going to run several different brands out of that one commissary kitchen area. And that's how they're going to scale What about flipping the tender shack to a drive through and snatch up some of those old drive through locations that are going to be available? A possibility, but I don't see any inside dining. I think, you know, because like you were talking about labor earlier, labor's got to make money. Yeah, I, I'm thinking drive through is still going to crush it. I, th I think the quality of drive through food is going to get better as well. Yeah, I, I have been uh, saying for a while, I really believe that there will be a necessity for a super high-end drive through mm. where you can get the best food, but it's a drive through I like that. We don't, we don't see a lot of that. Mm. Any of it, really. And I so, think people are accustomed to that because they're going to do the drive and pickup. In a lot of restaurants, right? Like, oh, you know, curbside, if you will. Yeah. Right? They're doing that. Yeah. Ordering online. They're 45 minutes later, they're going to get it picked up. So I think, you know, I think you're right. I drive the money there. I think that's going to happen. I want to I want to get Flavion and uh, potatoes, Sopinois, and some, <laughs> and some French green beans out of the drive through. Harry Colbert, that's for cooking bacon grease. Yes. <laughs> All right. So then, why don't you two uh, give us your. Uh... Get, take two minutes and give us your last thoughts on this last table, and we'll wrap it up and uh, get excited for next week. All right, I'll go first, and, and uh, Amberhead, you can wrap up. This is your table, but I think uh, pretty basically what we're going to see is 
culinary, the hospitality, and the rent farming industry pivot really hard to an area that a few years ago nobody thought it was going to be, you know, and maybe restart, restart <laughs> 10 years down the road based on current conditions. But because of what's happened, it's taken everybody through a hard shift. And I think it's a really good thing. I think we're going to see a lot of creativity and a lot of flexibility. Sounds good. Hammerhead, go ahead and bring it home. Those are all some very good points and well said, Hammerhead. Uh, I, I do, I can feel that in your voice that you you want to get out and be able to break bread again, like we did in the, you know, before all this went down. And those were some special times. When I mean, think about it, when we went out to dinner, Tim, it'd be good to just be able to do that and, you know, quiz the server if he knows his or her shit about the food and, uh, and. Well, it is fun because if you appreciate food, you're willing to learn about food, even as you even going through the dining experience, right? It's like, hey, t- t- tell me something. Let's try something. Let's, uh, you know, well, we have no problem tipping you if you're into it as much as we are, you know, and you would hope the server you get is into it. And they actually enjoy serving and seeing the uh, excitement on your face to try something new, your reaction, whether good or bad. I think that was probably the fun things of being a bartender and a server, seeing someone's reaction to whatever they just had. And whoever they're with, the 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 fun or the not so fun. I mean, I can I don't know how many fights I broke up at a bar, but even that adrenaline rush of of doing of going through all that at the end of the night, you're all pumped up, right? And then you're, you know, between what two a.m. and six a.m., you're uh, you're working it all out because you're all pumped up at the end of the shift, you know. But well said, great topic, great table. Yeah, it was a fork top, but man, they uh, they bought everything on the menu, and that was that was good. <laughs> they came in at four o'clock that was good so they could just stay there all night we call them a cab at nine o'clock because they're just hammered uh but a good one so let's uh let's look forward to next week uh at table 108 will be chef Bo. and I, if you know what i'm just thinking table 108 maybe we 
can talk about what kind of food trends you're seeing culinary wise, since both of you guys have an extensive background in that area. Maybe your thoughts of adding on to this table, what does comfort food look like specifically? And what would be something new, you know, a year later, because you're, you know, your business model needs to sustain. If you want to keep a restaurant for 10 years, you got to be able to pivot, right? And and see what kind of food you would come up with. Because that deep fried lasagna, I got to admit, I'm a little intrigued with that. I, I kind of want you to make that. I want to see that. Trademark. Go ahead. Yeah, trademark Chef Bo. Uh, 6.40 p.m. on March 1st. <laughs> I think we're going to add a table. I think we just got a two-top walk-in that may want to have some champagne as the Sambuca in the... Uh, Drambuie or whatever else, uh, Hennessy, whatever else comes out, the Remy at the end of the night. And, and then someone's going to roll in with a cigar or two or something, and we're going to bring it out to the veranda. But uh, great call, guys. <laughs> Just to kind of close. I mean, can I get the coffee? That, that'll do it, right? Like, that's going to fix you. Like, I, you got any coffee brewing? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Great show. Talk to you later. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Welcome to Fire Table with your uh, host, Darren Redwine, or Big D, and with uh, Chef Bo and Hammerhead Tim Nalick. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. How's everybody feeling? Good, good. We got a lot of topics, I'm sure. I'm excited about the bracket. We're going to do another segment there. I think we had a teaser on that. I think we got the animal teaser, right? We got some, uh, what, we got beef going up against the hog? What, is that right? Hog wild. Okay, so we're doing the hog today, and then from there, that pairs up with the uh, with the steer, right? Okay. Hog and steer. Roll right on. So again, welcome everybody to Fire Table. We're gonna get started right away because that way we can really put some uh, thought behind these fantastic uh, suggestions that Chef Bo came up with. So Chef, if you want to um, steal the screen and put up that bracket, so Tim and I can start processing this thing. Um, what are we doing, Tim? We know we're going carnitas in some way, right? That's got to be on there. It's got to be. What? Oh, no, this was your list. If it's shitty, it's shitty. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know what? You got to add carnitas. What do you think, Tim? Just to just to make it harder. Wait, he could have stopped right there. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Well, well, you're on a roll. Go ahead and keep going, Tim. Work it out in your head there, buddy. What do you got? Look, I mean, I'm a big fan of the 
All right. Wait, so did you make a decision? Is that it? Because I got a feeling you can't live without bacon either. Right. Well, what what happened? What about the pork rib? This the the baby back or the spare? I'm just stuck in your teeth. I'm just curious. Just you know, just asking chef questions. That's all. <laughs> baby back, baby back. You know, it has it has been a while. I will confess to that. All right. So that's a final answer, Carnitas. All right. Okay. So let me let me uh, let me work this out here. The boneless chop uh, to me, no. Uh, I'm uh, no. Now the bone-in chop. Here's one that you kind of grew up on these. Right with the with the four ounce, you know, pork chop with the breakfast, the two eggs, and blah blah blah. So I got a lot of memories with that. The tenderloin, not so much. Um, it, it was okay, it, not not too bad. Uh, ham, ah oh, man, you got to have a ham. A good ham is is good. Matter of fact, I had a uh, an eggs Benedict with some shaved ham instead of the Canadian oh, bacon, and that that's at Penfolds in uh, here in Temecula, California. And it was good. I think they should have piled on a little bit more, but I'm a I'm a big pig, so of course I'm going to think that. Uh, but but the way it ate though, when when you cut it in, cut into the uh, the poached egg, and it and it kind of drips over that that shaved ham, that that was really good. And then when you cut that, it's just so easy to get every piece of that on the bite. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. So with that said, ham in that fashion was pretty darn good. Uh, I would think that more than the, uh, of course, the boneless chop and the tenderloin. But man, you're right about the bacon, though. I I like bacon a lot. I, I mean, just cutting it on the salads, eating the, the on the sandwich. Uh, I th I think I had it on a burger yesterday. Just makes it. The porterhouse is not bad. I I it, I haven't had it done really well. You know, so because they dry it out a little bit, especially if it's right around that, what, 14 to 16 ounces, we kind of recommend that where you finish it in the oven, yeah. mark it, and then finish that. Uh, but the presentation can't be beat. It's a cool looking cut. Um, so if you can work that right, that's pretty high up there for me. Pulled pork. Mm. <clears throat> Man, that, that's a good one, but not as much as, well, then we go to pork and beans. 
Yeah, you know what? I don't know if pork and beans has been. It, it's so commercialized, isn't it? In the in the can and everything, you kind of, you know, as survival mode. Like if we were on the island, it's like <laughs> we got it cool to have a couple cans of pork and beans to forget about. Uh, but then the carnitas, which is why it comes up. I I have, I've been hooked on carnitas for a while now. I thought it was just a fad, but throughout the whole year, run across the street and grab some carnitas tacos. Uh, carnitas quesadilla they do over there or carnitas burrito and when it's done right when you got that crunch too with the juicy and the tenderness too uh, I am going to have to go with I'm going to go with bacon only because the versatility how I can put that in almost anything any time of the day <laughs> well it, it, i tell you what it was a close call and only because i haven't found myself doing carnitas for breakfast I, it's probably why i went with bacon because i i can have bacon breakfast lunch dinner i can eat bacon i can sit here and talk to you guys right now and snack on it like it's jerky mm. Okay. Oh man, you could build that over a little jalapeno in there, right? Yeah. And then uh, the avocado on the top. <laughs> okay, wait a second. Wait a second. All right, Bo, go ahead, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with bacon. I'm gonna stick with bacon. Oh. All right, so the um, I got to admit, though, having a good, I know it gets in your teeth, but when you got a good spare rib done right, too, yeah. or the baby yeah. back, and, uh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty good, too. Yeah. But the, the, and the pulled pork, that can be very good, too. But I, I've found myself, what's that? Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you do with the tenderloin when you have one? Like if slapped you down a, a five pound or a four pound tenderloin, I think they are right, somewhere around there. Uh, that is the loin which comes from the pork chop. Mm -hmm. Okay, those for two are just nothing more but bone in or bone out. They fall. You're just cutting a boneless chop out of that. Right. The tenderloin. Yeah. Right. Okay. But what do you, what do you do with it? What what's been one of your favorite recipes? Like I said, with tenderloin, I like to do um, little Dijon mustard sauce. Oh, okay. Okay. Is that it? Really? Yeah. On one of, on one of those big hogs that get those off of? Don't
Yeah, you're right, because it's only holding together that seven-bone rib, right? Seven, Because <clears throat> that's attached to the pork one. The baby back is attached to the tenderloin, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not what, uh, you know, you get those, you know, big, long ones, you know, they're fat, they weigh eight pounds or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. That's your boneless pork chop and your bone-in pork chop. I see. Okay. So, what's your favorite dish to make with pork while we're waiting for a chef? Well, uh, Other than carnitas, because that's your number one. What else yeah, do you like to make? Uh, well, it's going to be bacon or something. Or <laughs> or BLT or... Well, do you like working with the belly? The pork belly itself? Yeah, or... I do. Okay. I do. It's, you know, it's a little too much fatty. Okay. So... Oh, he's, he's coming in hot. Hold on. Stand back. Let him go. <laughs> well, you got the floor. You're up, so let it out, man. The same shake and bake that we used to do with chicken? Absolutely. Okay. We just never did it with a pork chop, but I know shake and bake very well. I was about to say that Carnitas argument was not very passionate. He's not picking Carnitas. <laughs>
and then the pork belly you guys are talking about, it's just like, man, if, when, if you get the whole cut of the pork belly, you do it old school where you flatten it out and you store the top and you put it in a roasting pan and you fill up liquid about three quarters of the way up the pork belly like the stock and then you roast it low and slow, right? It's just like a pork belly, it's, it's a bacon roast is what it turns into because that top caramelizes and that bottom stays nice and soft. Oh my, my mouth is watering. I'm eating after this. Oh my God. But bacon, 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 <laughs> right. I guess we have it there. It is uh, two to one on bacon versus carnitas. So bacon is the winner of that category. So Bo, why don't you wrap up uh, that two categories and give us a teaser on the next one, and we'll uh, close this table out. Okay. All right. The sea versus the foul. Fish and foul. Fish and foul. All right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. That was some uh, some good topic there and good kind of, you know, history as far as what you grow up on, what kind of resonates with you and the memories it brings back. And I think that's one of the beauty of food. So I love doing these brackets. Well done putting those together. And we're going to go ahead and close out, uh, what was that, table 106? Is that what that one was? 106. Table closed. Wrap it up. So, uh, Hammerhead, uh, you got table 107 walking in? Okay. So, Tim's got another 20 top walking in. Okay. <laughs> How, how much how more how much more vague can you make that, Bo? Well, at least we know what the bingo players what they're gonna eat. We know that. Okay.
Okay. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I I this is a this is a pretty big topic, I think. So I think we should dedicate the full 30 minutes to it. Uh so why don't I why don't we uh pause this recording? Stay tuned everybody and log on again and we are going to continue with this conversation. So hang tight and we'll get right back to table 107.